Hello and a warm Mancunian welcome to you today. I'm Deepa Thomas Sutcliffe, your host, and it's an honor to share Season 7 of the Meet the Mancunian podcast, Social Impact Stories from Manchester with you. This season is all about celebrating the stories of our local changemakers and the profound social impact they are creating. Every Tuesday, I shine a spotlight on the incredible individuals weaving the fabric of our community. From grassroots heroes to local legends, their stories are the soul of Manchester. Whether you're tuning in on Apple, Spotify, Google or www. MeetTheManCunion.co.uk Get ready for a season that showcases the incredible social impact within our community. Welcome to the fourth episode of Season 7 of the Meet the Mancunian podcast, Social Impact Stories from Manchester. Passionate about creating awareness for societal change? We hear from Jasmine Chowdhury, founder, Aina Arts and Social Justice Activist in this episode is being released during Sexual Abuse and Sexual Violence Awareness Week, which is from the 5th to the 11th of February 2024. The Sexual Abuse and Sexual Violence Awareness Week is the UK's national week to raise awareness of sexual abuse and violence and to provide an opportunity for any organisation or individuals to engage in dialogue. This week is an opportunity for anyone that wants to use their voice to join a conversation with thousands of others. Hashtag, it's not okay. I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Jasmine Chowdhury, founder, Aina Arts and social justice activist. Thank you, Jasmine, for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Well, please tell us first how you found your passion for societal change. And I know you, re- you talk about yourself as a social justice activist. Where did that come from? It started long time back. As a child, I started realizing differences among people and it started bothering me then. And then I I became a victim of social practices that are not always favorable for women. Being married off at the age of 18 and then struggling at every step, becoming a mother of two before I was 24, no education, no money of problems, but I managed to come out of all that. So my life has become a celebration now. I feel like it's a party every day. While enjoying my party, I still think I can't forget that there may be other people who are going through the same struggles. It has taken me several decades to find my way out of the maze of troubles and I, I, I would like to share with people and maybe just show them a shortcut or something so they don't have to go through so much. People understand uh, uh, and find uh, ways to deal with the problems that seem to be too difficult to overcome. They're not. But that's a very optimistic way to look at it and to take your life lessons and your lived experience and take that to help other people. I always find my best guests are talking from lived experience. I look forward to learning more. First, tell us about Aina Arts. How did you get involved and what does it do? I have always been interested in acting as a child. I I didn't know what theater was, but I would always dress up as something, try to scare my mom, dress up as a beggar, beg from my mom, stuff like that. 
Before coming to the UK, while I was still in Bangladesh as a teenage girl, I used to run away from home to perform on stage because I had found the people who were doing it. But then I got married off, came to the UK. I started getting involved with theater groups, but I didn't have enough family support to do it. So I had to give it up. Then I found somebody in life, coincidence, who is into theater, who was a professional actor in Bangladesh, current husband. And after meeting him, so it rekindled my interest in drama. Also, my interest in writing complemented the situation. So we both together established this drama group called Aina Arts. And you know what Aina means, mirror. We look at mirror to find our imperfections before going out, fix things. Aina also means in Bangla, Aina, come along. So we are calling people to come and join us. That's really nice. And so tell us about Aina Arts. What does it do and how does it affect societal change? Aina Arts is a seven years old. If you take the two COVID years out, we've been fully active for five years. We started off with doing classic Bangla plays. We take part every year in a drama festival called A Season of Bangla Drama, arranged by Tower Hamlets Council in London. Now, they started demanding new plays. They said, we want local writers to write their own plays about life here, things that affect society, issues that affect our communities. So I started writing plays. My first play was called Maya's Honeymoons which was staged in uh, 2016. So it was about domestic violence. You probably noticed I said honeymoons. So it's not honeymoon. It's the cycle of domestic violence where honeymoons keep coming back, but they're not real honeymoons. And then a couple of years break. 2017, we did an adapted play from a Chilean play. Then 18, I had a brain hemorrhage. I'm a brain hemorrhage survivor. 18 was missing, then COVID. 2021, we did a play called Or. Do you know what Orna is? No. You know how some Asian women wear a three-piece suit? So on the top, they wear a shawl-like thing. Yes. It's the called, in Bangla, we call it Orna. Orna was about rape and victim blaming. So it was a symbolic play where an Orna is telling its life story, what it saw while hanging in the shop, what it hurt people saying about women, all those comments, then how it ended up in the hands of a teenage girl who used to love and adore the Orna. But then her father gave her the Orna to cover herself, to protect her from men. But then one day she got raped while wearing the Orna. And then she committed suicide with the Orna. And her father threw it away. But then that girl from her deathbed, she rises up and she says, no, I'm not gone. May seem that I'm gone, but my story will inspire other women to speak up, to fight for their rights, to stand up, to go out. So it was like a symbolic story, which was very well received. We did three shows, two in Manchester, one in London. I was a bit worried about how the community will react to some of the dialogues that actually didn't write myself. I just took it out of people's mouths. Exactly what I heard as a teenage girl in shops, in markets, on buses, on trains. 
And I was very worried, those raw dialogues, but people actually appreciated it and applauded me for my courage to really put those words in my actor's mouths. And then last year, we did two plays. One was called Ghurni, A Disastrous Cycle. It's about climate injustice, how the luxurious lifestyles of the rich countries contribute to carbon emissions more, but the sufferers are those who don't contribute who hardly contribute anything. I was commissioned by a charity organization called uh, Crossing Footprints to write this play. Though we did about six or seven plays, very well received. And we did another play commissioned by Manchester University History Department. It was called Telegram, Migrant uh, Women of Working Class Families. It's about them in the 1970s and 80s, those who came, their lives, their lost hopes or dreams or how they survived. So this is what we've done. And this year we are uh, doing a comedy. Uh, it's a bit different from what we have been doing so far. On the surface, it's different. It's a comedy called Extramarital, but I do talk about misogyny in it as well. Thank you so much for sharing that and such a varied uh, amount of subjects covering societal stereotypes and societal concepts and constructs. And it's really lovely that you're trying to use drama to influence those change. Have yeah. there been challenges on this journey that you have been on with Aina Arts? Challenges are of different types. As a woman, no matter where you've reached, how educated you are, how powerful you've become, you cannot escape the grips of the patriarchal society. The thing is, it's very difficult to uh, work as a playwright, uh, a co-director and an actor, being a woman uh, who has a family. You know what Virginia Woolf said, a woman needs her own room and her own money to write fiction. I don't write fiction, so maybe my own money and my own role hasn't been enough. I'm not writing fiction. I'm dealing with society's troubles. And I have felt, I, I have been writing for many years now. People come up to me and they say, so who actually wrote this play, you or your husband? People can't believe that I can write that well because my husband has a reputation uh, for being a, a theater professional. I have not had any theater schooling. I have not had any schooling, really. Uh, I have educated myself. I, I have obtained a few qualifications studying privately at home. I've never been inside a university as a student. People find it difficult to believe that a woman can do important work. People still don't believe I do it. They think my husband does it. Whereas Right. I write, I buy the costumes, I put the groups together, cook for every rehearsal because we have no money. We can't buy food for the team. Do everything. But still people think that it, he does it. So that's one emotional struggle. <laughs> it's not a practical. Uh, but as a writer, I face much more difficulties. Some Facebook writer, not just Facebook, I've written uh, in different portals, print media in Bangladesh, published uh, five books so far. And 
I've had life threats. I've had people calling me names. Do you mind me saying the words that they call me? If you like, you can share. They call me a whore. They sometimes they describe the things they would like to do to me. Horrible, unutterable words. Very ignorant people, unfortunately. But there are lots of them. Yeah. I have seen a change as well. I started writing on Facebook. I have written all my life, but I've started sharing my writing with others since 2016 on a regular basis. And at the beginning, there was uh, more, more challenges, more protests from people, more uh, online verbal violence or written violence. Slowly, it has decreased. So that's where the impact is. I have 30,000 followers on Facebook. 30,000 followers means at least 100,000 people are reading my writing. It's reaching out. Those 30,000, they share. Wherever I go, people tell me, oh, I've read something by you. Oh, I've seen your post on Facebook. I've seen your uh, play there. I I'm reaching out to more people than sometimes I realize myself. And those people are slowly learning to accept me. I write very openly, very... It's been a long time since I stopped thinking there is anything private about me. There's nothing private about me. That I've suffered anything that I've experienced, someone else is experiencing right now. If I don't share, that means I don't want them to share either. So I've been sharing very openly the abuses that I've suffered in life since my childhood. People uh, didn't like it at the beginning. Some people didn't. But now I can see that more people liking it than before. And uh, I don't receive threats anymore. Uh, it's been uh, three years. I haven't received any threats. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. And I'm so sorry you're going through this difficult. There is an online world where there are people who are armchair warriors and who can just yeah. give opinions, hiding in the dark, let's call it. But it's yeah. really good that you're seeing so many more positive people. I think the people are basically good. There are lots of good people out there. True, just need to true. find the good people and give them an opportunity to rise, which is what yes, this podcast tries to do, gives a voice <laughs> to people like yourself. Tell us more about the impact. You talked about a little bit about the impact you made influencing 100,000 people. That's a big impact. Are there other things you want to share about any, maybe one experience where you help somebody? Many women reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, some of them are transgender women. Some of them are sex workers, victims of domestic violence, women who want to come out of an abusive relationship, but don't know how, simply don't have the courage. I have uh, quite a few young women to uh, decide not to commit suicide just by talking. Just nothing. I'm not trained. I'm not a trained counselor or anything. So I always say to them, okay, you've connected to me. I can't ignore you. I'm not trained to do this. I used to do this a lot, but since I had a brain hemorrhage in 2000, reduced that because it creates a lot of mental pressure on me. But just by reading my writing, a lot of women have written to me that pieces about how I broke my first marriage, how I 
remarried again, became happy in life, how I've raised my two children to, to, to give them a good education, whereas I didn't get an education myself, a formal education myself. So the, those writings give them courage. One woman wrote to me from India, Maharashtra, I think. She wanted to know the exact spelling of my name. I said, why? She said, I'm doing PhD in physics and I want to give credit to you. I said, oh, course. Reading your 100 Happy Days series, I used to write 100 Happy Days. So every day something that made, made, made me happy on that day. So reading that series has given me hope and strength to finish this course. At one point, I was just breaking down. Another time, I met a woman at the book fair in Bangladesh. After my brain hemorrhage, she came up to me and hugged me and said, you saved me from committing suicide. I said, how come? I said, you climbed up. What's this mountain called? Not a mountain. It, it is a mountain in North Wales. Snowdonia? No, it's not Snowdonia. Uh, it's not Snowdonia. It's not one of the very well-known mountains. Okay. It's not that high. It takes about, for a normal healthy person, about 25 to 30 minutes to climb. And then you see the Irish Sea on the other side. And it's a treat once you climb up. Two and a half months after my brain hemorrhage, went and climbed that mountain. And my son made a video of it took me more than an hour to do it. And I wrote a piece on my experience, how I did it, how it made me feel after doing it and what my surgeon said, what the people in the community said. Everybody said I was harming myself, my health, I was crazy. And my surgeon said, if you asked me before going, I would advise you not to. But now that you've done it, say well done. You've managed to do it. It is and very inspiring that you could do it. I write about these small experiences that may seem insignificant. I write about everything I do. And later I find out that it has touched somebody. That young woman said, reading that piece made her feel that there is still hope. And she decided she threw away her pills that she was going to take. It makes me emotional. These are like individual examples, but I think there are much more, many more cases that I don't know about. The impact that is actually being made, I don't know about. That's lovely that you're sending so much good vibes into the world, that you're helping people consciously, unconsciously. How can interested people reach out to you and learn more? Where can they find you online? They can email to me. I'll always respond to emails. I even check Facebook spam folders because that's where I found many messages from people who were trying to reach out to me to get suggestions and advice. Facebook is quite a good platform for me. It has worked for me. Even by writing Bangla, now it has, I think, auto-translation or something. If you just click, it translates so people can read. I have two YouTube channels, though those are a bit irrelevant. One is about gardening, one is about cooking. But while doing gardening and cooking, I talk a lot as well. I'll include them in the episode notes so people can find you. And what advice would you have for people looking to start a similar movement in their local community? Like you said, gender-based violence, patriarchy, these are universal problems, not just in Greater Manchester, around the world. Everywhere is the same. 
So how do uh, they start and more? I would say don't look at your weaknesses too much. Even if you have a tiny speck of strength, use it as your capital. I had nothing. I didn't even realize when I was fighting. I was just trying to survive. But at one point I realized, now looking back, I feel, oh my God, have I done all those things? Okay. Even if it seems people are not accepting you, accepting what you do. If you do it with genuine love and care, people are bound to come around at one point. Because in Manchester, I'm still not very popular, but at one point I had a feeling that people didn't like me. Now in Manchester, in the community, people reach out to me. They approach me. They want me to go and do things with them, things for them, give talks or run workshops, things like that. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that. And then it's an opportunity now for you to talk about anything coming up soon that I haven't asked you about. But 20, we are going to stage a play, most probably in, Men, in Millennium Center. Everybody knows it as the Millennium Center. So it's going to be a comedy, a play called uh, Extramarital, which is about extramarital relationship. Actually, F. Bangladesh asked us to do a play on love. We're trying to show in this play how can be lost if you don't nurture it. And there, there are some feminist ideas in it as well. And I'm also looking to publish a book called Minara. It's about child sex abuse in post-war Bangladesh that I'm not sure when it will come out, but in the next year or so. Thank you for sharing that. Now come to the signature questions I ask all my guests. And the first one for you is to describe the Mancunian spirit in a word or a phrase. Think friendship and working together. That's a good one because there's a lot of community spirit definitely in Greater Manchester. Yeah. Can you share a Mancunian who inspires you and why? I'd like to mention my friend Kuj Chohan. I don't know if he will be listening. Kuj has inspired me in, st- in spite of a lot of personal pains and difficulties. Kuj continues to help and support the community, especially he's a climate change warrior. He taught me a lot of things about this so I could write a play that was hugely successful. Kuj is my inspiration. Amazing. So you must share the podcast episode with him when it comes out. And a yeah, big shout out definitely. to Kuj. What's the most important life lesson you've learned so far? Life Take- lesson is keep going. You call people, they don't come. You start walking alone. If you can walk enough length of the way, people will start coming again. That is beautiful. It's like yeah. you're a pathfinder. You're showing the way people are joining you. Very lovely. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Eliminate from the world and make people accept differences. I think it's a very good one. We would be a much kinder world if this was the case. So I hope that comes true someday. And the last one, is there a funny story or a heartwarming story you'd like to share with listeners to end the podcast? I don't know why this one came in my mind. In... uh... 1997, I was working in a school as a homeschool liaison. And one of the students I was working with had died from stomach cancer. That day, I was very sad, very upset with the school for many reasons. 
And I was so emotional that I left my bag at school. I started walking off. I got on the bus. Those days you didn't have to buy the ticket first. So I got in one of those buses, not having a penny with me. And then the conductor came and asked me for the fare. It was only 50p. I didn't have it. And he refused to let me get off. He wasn't a kind person. Then an old couple came forward and they gave me five pounds. I said, I only need 50p. And they said, but you might need some more later. And you may not find somebody who will help you. And I said, how do I pay you back? They said, pass it on. I, di- I didn't know. My, my English was okay academically, but I didn't know these phrases. Pass it on was a new phrase to me. I went home. I looked up the mini. And that has been one of my mottos of life. Pass it on. Such a lovely gesture that they did. And like you, I'm sure you're passing it on in many different ways through your books, through your writings, through your videos. That's and really nice and very kind. And more kind people in the world we need. Definitely. Thank you so much, Jasmine. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you, Deepa. Thank you very much for inviting me. I wish we had a few hours. For sure. Jasmine, I really enjoyed learning about creating societal change today. Next week on Tuesday, 13th February 2024, I speak to Wesley Hamnet about fundraising through cycling. Dear listener, I hope you were inspired by today's episode and it sparks your passion to make change happen wherever you live and work. I would also like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our community for your support and feedback. Your stories inspire this podcast. Share your thoughts at www.meetthemancunian.co.uk because this podcast is your platform too. Connect on socials at the rate Meet the Mancunian on Instagram and Facebook, at the rate Meet the Mancunian podcast on YouTube. It's more than a podcast, it's a community. Spread the word, share, comment and let's keep building Manchester up. The podcast, amazing listeners and supporters, you are the true heroes. Keep thriving, keep connecting and remember the power of change lies within us.